with this positive reinforcement, the longer you do it, the more the horse is like, Ooh, this behavior gets a reward. Like I want to do this. And Mm -hmm. so it creates that willingness and that desire for a horse to do what you want versus just, okay, I'll do it because I know I'm going to get pressure if I don't. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. So you've had a super busy day. (laughs) It sounds like you've had a busy week too, like not just today. (laughs) Yeah, we have sick kids and and needy horses. Just kind of hitting some hiccups with some of the horses, which have been like that problem solving mentality of like, oh, trying, yeah. hey, how do we deal with this? And why are we not getting through it? Right. Um, like, what's so. been going on with them? Uh, so, I have this one horse that I've had him in for a little while, probably ooh, 90 days about. Mm-hmm. He's, he's five, he's a later start than a lot of people. Um, send me but he's been really easy and fun and super athletic um but a couple of things he's been kicking out now about wanting to go where I asked him to go which was oh like, really oh, huh with that um so I've done a lot of just like loose rain um <laughs> uh, one trainer calls it dealing with the druthers but I'd rather be over here I'd rather be over oh there. okay uh, and then <laughs> it's like just, what is <laughs> It's essentially destination addiction. Um, so we've been dealing with that. And, and then the bigger thing is he's a horse that has TMJ issues. Mm. So um, I have one other horse that has those issues. So I recognized it. And then sure enough, the chiropractor confirmed it. Oh yeah. Like he's super tight through there. Mm. So I do these TMJ releases with him where I stick my hand in his mouth and just put my thumb lightly on the roof of his mouth, makes him move his jaw back and forth and kind of release that um, build up of tension in that TMJ, which is the, the jaw joint. And even with these releases, he's just getting worse and worse about bridling. Um, so just kind of trying to figure out, okay, how do we get him to want to bridle? And he's also a cookie monster, which makes the positive reinforcement side of trying to teach him to self bridle little bit trickier because <laughs> it takes some time to get him to not be like where's the cookie where's the cookie where are you so, <laughs> right like, yeah so it's but it's it's been fun and a learning experience and yeah kind of okay fun. yeah but a lot of like okay we have all these issues and like the normal stuff that works isn't quite working so yeah, well, you know regressions are always it's part of the deal regressions happen like with like with that destination addiction but it always just makes you wonder, okay, why did you regress? Was there something that I did or didn't do? And yeah, so a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, you've got four outside horses right now. Is that right? Uh, I have three. Yeah. Okay. Just decreased down to three. I had seven through the summer Mm -hmm. and kind of gotten rid of one at a time. So now I'm down to three, which is a great number for the summer or the winter. I mean, right. With the daylight hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least it's only three. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but man. So, cause he was, he's that big, tall one you've posted some videos of, right? Isn't he the five-year-old? Oh, okay. So he's not the one I'm thinking of. I, I, I was thinking of like, you had a paint at one time. Yeah. That was yeah. I just sent him home and he, his owner was super happy with him. Oh, so good. He was a character. <laughs> <laughs> he chewed through two different reins leather reins that I had oh my like, gosh chewed on everything and it took him all of two seconds to like <laughs> like crunch it and I, <laughs> so trying to work through that as well because he it was never mean or anything he just right chewing chew. <laughs> kind of like Comanche hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe he chewed off all of Sandy's tail <laughs> yeah well Comanche he was I don't know that horse I'm like you have to like constantly keep him busy or he has something in his mouth and I had him in the trailer like I trailered them last week somewhere and I don't know how he was able to get her tail in the trailer but he did when I (laughs) unloaded her she had like a section that was just sopping wet of just like his clobber and I'm like no like it's already started 
And anytime I have him tied up, he's like chewing on the end of his lead rope. He's like chewing on my trailer. And I'm like, oh my word, that horse. <laughs> Even with your track system and everything. Huh? Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> on the track system, he does okay. Like, but if I pull him out and I have him tied or like he's in the trailer <laughs> or like Ben, he's like mouthing on everything. Cause in the track system, he gets to mouth on whatever he wants, but yeah. anyways, yeah, the chewing, <laughs> it's, it's annoying. <laughs> oh well the uh, coaching been going this week it's been going good um yeah really good it's it's been busy which is always a good thing I think um I've had a few things come up with clients though that I'm like like and it's one of those reoccurring things that I'm getting used to as as a coach like where you kind of repeat yourself and you kind of go through the same motions and one of the biggest things because I coach primarily women um I only coach a few men and it's mostly women and dealing with the scale is such an issue. And so I have that coming up with a couple of clients this week where we've been really working through kind of the mindset around the scale because um, it is, it's just, it fluctuates so much, you know, and I've got one client right now where for no reason she's, she's jumped up about five pounds on the scale in the last three days. And it's like, you know, so we're going through that. Well, there's no possible way because a little bit of information, like you have to eat about 3,500 calories a week over your maintenance to gain fat, like a pound of fat. So I'm like, there's no possible way that you have gained five pounds overnight because that's 20,000 calories you have eaten in the last three days to gain that much. Like there is no way that like this is even possible. So like we go through all the logical of, um, we've changed her training up a little bit. So there, so there is going to be some water retention with that and kind of just troubleshooting all of that. But it is really interesting to work on the mindset portion. And that's one of the things I do love because the scale is something I have struggled with my whole life and has always like sent me reeling because my body does fluctuate a lot more than kind of the normal person does as far as scale weight goes. Um, But one powerful thing that I've learned and it's, oh gosh, what, what book is this? I think it's called the work by, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Byron Katie, I think is her name. I will link to it, but um, it's a really, really good book if you're struggling with like things like this. Um, And she walks you through like four questions you ask yourself. And so this is something I've been walking through like with this particular client this morning actually is, hey, like what, what are the thoughts that come up when the scale jumps up like this? And there's always that, that base of like, I'm just not worth much, you know, like, because the scale is up and that's not exactly what she said, but that's a lot of what comes up. Um, and you ask yourself, you start off going, okay, I'm not worth anything. Is that true? Like, because the scale jumped up, I'm not worth anything. Is that true? And if the answer is like, yeah, that's totally true. Cause like, look at me, I'm a slob, you know, whatever. Then you go, okay. So like, is that really true? Like really you're not worth anything and you think you're a slob. Is that really true? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then there's like another question where it's like, can you prove that that's true? Can you prove that you really gained five pounds and that you're a slob and that you're worth nothing? And a lot of times, most of the time, well, I, okay, not most, I have never been able to get past that. Can you prove that that's true question and, and move on to the other things? Cause by the time you get to that, it's like, well, no, like, actually I can prove the opposite, you know, like I, I can prove that there's no way I've gained fat. There's, there's no way that I'm not worth enough. Like there's no way I'm a slob because I've incorporated all these habits and I'm so much farther than I was, you know? So that's what I've been dealing with a little bit this morning actually is going back and forth with this client on, on this kind of process, but it is one of those most powerful processes I've found for processes like this, that like creep up no matter what. And I found that even working with my horses where I'm like, I lose my temper. I'm like, I'm such a horrible person. I shouldn't even own horses, you know? And it's like, I'm a horrible <laughs> person. Is that true? You shouldn't own horses. Really? Is that true? You know? And it's yeah. just, it, it really helps to kick you out of that, those negative cycles a lot faster. So something, if you ever, if you ever find that coming up, you should try it. And definitely a book worth reading. Actually, so. Oh, you have? So you're yeah. like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. So the name is, is it the work? I can't remember that you had the name, right? Um, okay. At least but... I got the name, right? I'm pretty sure it's the work, but again, we'll just link to it. So <laughs> perfect. 
Well, we talked a little bit about your horse and him being a monster, which leads right into our topic for today, which is all about positive reinforcement, which is something that I have delved into the last like year and a half, I feel like, where I've just been like, oh my gosh, this is like the most amazing thing ever. (laughs) So I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, But before we kind of talk about our experiences, I just wanted to give a little bit of information on like, okay, what is positive reinforcement really? Because I feel like we use that term, but we don't ever actually talk about like, this is what it is, you know, and this is the different styles of training. Um, So I looked up and it's like psychology, positivepsychology.com. They have um, these definitions for the different kinds of conditioning methods and their definition of positive reinforcement is a desirable stimulus and is introduced to encourage certain behavior. So most of the time when we talk about positive reinforcement, most of the time we're re, like we're introducing treats, right? To, yes. to encourage a certain behavior. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that definition? Um, no, I think mainly just to kind of throw the opposite, opposite end of that in, um, negative reinforcement is what most of us in the horse community are familiar with. And it sounds bad because like negative, right? (laughs) Negative just means you're taking something away. Um, so the negative reinforcement is going to be your pressure and release. So your undesirable stimulus, your pressure is taken away to encourage a behavior. So when they do the behavior, you take the pressure away. Um, So that's the difference here, which I think is is good to point out because that positive reinforcement is you reward the behavior instead of taking the pressure away. So that's my take on it there is just to kind of clarify the the difference between those two main branches um, of like that reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like the negative reinforcement that's like your natural horsemanship kind of area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've, um, which for me, like I've never really experienced anything other than the natural horsemanship side of training. Wow. Like every trainer I've ever worked with, they've always been a natural horseman. Um, which I think is probably pretty unique as far as like my experiences. And I think yours too, because I feel like you've, you've probably had the same thing. Yeah. So I, I have never experienced somebody who's like really crazy into like negative punishment or positive punishment, you know, um, yeah. or using punishment as, as something. Um, um, I would say there's definitely a few people down in our area that are into like strictly punishment training. And it's not usually your trainers that are into that. It's usually your backyard people that are just like doing it themselves but like Mm. (laughs) that they just will like kick their horse with a spur like as hard Mm. as they can to Mm. get things done and so like there I have experienced a little bit of that um not at my place but yeah (laughs) yeah it's definitely a whole different um side of yes to experience (laughs) well it would be especially like you and I, cause we're so into the connection work and like, how can I we make the horse feel good? Like that would just, oh, okay. And I, and, I saw yeah. one the other day that did that and it took everything in me to just like bite your tongue Camry, because I could say something mm-hmm. to that guy that was spurring the crap out of his horse that only had 50 days on it. He had a big long oh, shank fit in his mouth and he was just booting the crap out of it with spurs. And I was just like, bite your tongue, bite your tongue, because uh, it's not going to come across in a way that they're receptive to. No. And, you know, if they were to approach me and say, Hey, you know, like, do you have any advice on what I can do with this cold? I know you're a cold starter. Then absolutely. I would like go off on it yeah, uh-huh. uh, and just like tell them, you know, and educate them. Not like, right. I guess when I said go off, not on lecture. <laughs> so, yeah, but like, you know, talk yeah. to them about all this stuff and, and how the horses learn and, and help them that way. But when you just volunteer it like that, mm-hmm. no. people do not take it well. So no. it's just like, breathe. No. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard though. Cause like in those situations you get to that, like, is it ethical for me not to say anything, you know? And like that battle of like, could you just stop? Cause I like, now that you say that, it's like, okay, no, you're right. Like I have seen that and a lot with older cowboys, especially, Mm -hmm. and like cowboys who it's more like not their profession, but their 
yes. for fun. You know, the horses are there to feed their ego, not, yeah. not for any other purpose. And so I have definitely seen that more with, with that type of people. And it is hard. Cause you're like, would you just stop? You could get here to here so much faster. Yep. <laughs> um, if you would just do this and, and your horse would be happy, <laughs> but, but it is hard because what can you say? And the world, yeah. the way it is right now, it's like, if you did say something, you'd probably like your reputation would be creamed by that person. Right. Yeah. Well, and then they would actually usually polarize further to yeah. their side because it just doesn't come across in a very good way. You know, they, then they just justify what they're doing and do it even more. And um, no, I want to say it was Mark Rashid's books that he talked about that, that the old man that he learned from taught him that, that he just doesn't say things unless he's asked. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of cool. So anyway, sorry, a little bit of a tangent there. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's a tangent. I think it goes like right along with what we're talking about. It's perfect. <laughs> no. And I mean, just kind of going along with that, like that's something I never thought about was it being polarized more and then being more justified in, in their actions. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's a really good insight there. Do you want to share some of your experiences with starting positive reinforcement? How did you even start trying it? Did you ever have reservations towards it? Yeah. So I always did, you know, like I followed people like Pat Pirelli and Buck Brenneman and, and, um, you know, your bigger name, natural horsemanship type trainers. And, um, at one point, I can't remember who told me this, but they said, because a horse is a prey animal versus a predator, they don't work for their food. They don't have to hunt for their food. So food rewards do not motivate horses. So you can't use food to train a horse. And for some reason that stuck with me for several years of like, oh, like, so I would give my horses treats, but I wouldn't give it to them in a training mindset. I would just give them a treat because I love you. Here's a cookie. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I just never really used a lot of it. I used a lot of like praise and like verbal, like, you know, I would rub my horse's neck and oh, good boy, good girl. And, and so I would use, um, reinforcement in that way, but I definitely never got into using treats for training. And, uh, I'm trying to think who got me into it. Um, probably just some of the Facebook groups, I think that I was on that, um, if anyone knows, um, Andrea Mills, that she is a really, I really, really like her. We're going to dive into some of her stuff, I think a little bit later, but she was strictly positive reinforcement for a while. And then now she's into kind of blending, um, you know, the negative and the positive, uh, and just seeing some of the stuff she did, um, was really, really neat to see how to get a horse to want to do things because they're going to get a reward for it. And, um, and so if you think of, if someone's always going to be like jumping down your throat and nope, nope, nope. And like giving you pressure, but then, um, taking it away, but then you never actually get a reward for it. The pressure goes away. So mm -hmm. you'll learn how to avoid pressure, but you won't really enjoy working for that person. Mm -hmm. And now when you work for someone that is, going to, Hey, yeah, that's so much better than last week or the last time you did this, you know, activity or this part of your work. And they give you, you know, whether it's, it doesn't have to be treats or whatever, but just that, that reward, that positive reinforcement, those are the kind of people you enjoy being around the people that you enjoy working for. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's really kind of fun to see how it motivates horses. And I think one of the first positive reinforcement trainers, I I saw was Mustang Maddie. Mm. Um, if anyone knows her, she's on Facebook quite a bit, has a pretty big um, following there. And she actually went um, down this path as well of doing a lot of negative reinforcement. And she was super successful in um, cult starting competitions and things like that. Um, but then she kind of did a whole 180 and went into this positive <clears throat> reinforcement clicker training. Um, it was kind of fun to see what her journey was too. So, oh yeah. Well, and that's interesting. I had never heard like what you just said, like 
that horses aren't motivated by food. I think I was always on the opposite where, no, if you give a horse a treat, they'll bite you, they'll mug you, they'll come after you <laughs> for that treat. Like that's more what I heard from people growing up uh-huh. where it was like, they are too food motivated. So it's interesting that you heard like the complete opposite. Yeah. Because for me, the justification for not using treats was no, it encourages horses to bite. It encourages them to come into your space without you inviting them. And honestly, it wasn't until I started working with you more that I started changing my view around treats, like watching you use treats and your training and working with it is what helped me be like, oh, okay, maybe I'll try this. Like, we'll see. Cause I can remember even some clients, I was working with some reigning, um, some pro reigning people and they were asking me about treats. Like, what are your thoughts around treats? I'm like, oh, I don't do treats very often. Like, I mean, I don't mind giving them once in a while, but, but I stay away from treats and that was not too long, you know? Well, I think I was even working for you at that point when I said that, you know, now it's like, I'm polar opposite where (laughs) treats are my like go-to thing. I love them. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, even today, like I was talking about at the beginning, um, this horse that's been having issues with bridling, um, the reason why he has an issue with it is his jaw is really tight, that TMJ. And I really didn't want to work with treats with him because he is such a cookie monster and it does take a little bit more to get them to like stop ultra focusing on the treats. Um, but I did a session with him today, this morning that was pretty fun. And so I would, you just hold the bridle out and I started with him just sticking his head toward it. Um, because anytime I pull the bridle out, he's like, mm, and he leans away from it. He's like, nope, uh-uh. Um, because you could imagine if you had jaw pain in your, in that joint there where you open your mouth, mm-hmm. where your lower jaw connects to the, your skull, it's, that's, um, that's going to be pretty irritating and painful to be holding a bit in your mouth when your jaw is really, really sore and, and, and tight. Um, so it's understandable, completely understandable that he would not want a bit in his mouth. Right. Um, and so I always start with the TMJ release, but then I moved on to having cookies on me and I did have to put my treat pouch on my back so that he oh, could reach around <laughs> and get it, uh, which I mean, the, probably the best thing to do would be uh, protective contact, which would be just working with him with treats across a fence. Um, but he's not so pushy. I can't kind of just, you know, move my elbow and get him mm-hmm. off of me. Um, he's not too bad of a mugger. <laughs> so in any case, he would touch his nose, you know, reach for the bridle. And when he would like kind of reach his nose toward the bridle, I would click and give him a treat. And I just do a, a little mm-hmm. noise for a click because I holding, you know, a horse and the yeah. reins or, I mean, the leader rope and everything, I, I don't carry a clicker. Um, but the clicker is just to mark the behavior, which I really like that part of positive reinforcement is um, if you do use the click with it, that click is what you would call a bridge. So it marks the moment that they do the right thing while your hand reaches in the pouch, gets the treat, and then hands Mm -hmm. them the treat. Because you can imagine that takes a couple seconds for me to reach around to my back, reach in the pouch, grab a treat, and give it to him. Mm -hmm. So by the time I've done that, there's a bit of a gap Mm -hmm. from when he did the right behavior to what I'm rewarding. Mm -hmm. So having that click, kind of is like oh every time I hear that click I know a treat's coming and so then the the click starts becoming the reward for him and just in I mean I probably did it for about 30 minutes with him and he started reaching his head all the way into the bridle I couldn't get him yet in the in one session to put his lips on the bridle Mm -hmm. uh he on the bit I should say he he would stick his face all the way in it and, it, and the bit would be right under his chin. <laughs> and so he was like, all right, my head's in the bridle. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, that's a huge change in 30 minutes from where, you know, initially when right. I pulled the bridle, it was like, nope, I'm going to reach up and out and away to where he was starting to seek the bridle and say, oh, like, this is what I do. And I get rewarded for it. And so I can do all the pressure and release in the world to bring his head down and bring his head to me. And every time he brings his head away, I can, you know, hold pressure on the top of his head or on the side of his head to bring his head back to the position I want it to release that pressure. And he will learn to keep his head there. 
but that will not change his perspective about the bridal. Mm-hmm. He'll learn to deal with it and he'll learn what he needs to do to get rid of pressure, but he's still going to be like, Ugh. you know, I can right. have that feeling of not liking the bit, uh, not liking the bridal, but with this positive reinforcement, the longer you do it, the more the horse is like, Ooh, this behavior gets a reward. Like I want to do this. And mm-hmm. so it creates that willingness and that desire for a horse to do what you want versus just, okay, I'll do it because I know I'm going to get pressure if I don't. So it's, I think it's so fun to do that, especially with a horse that has a bad perspective of something. And I can actually tell you because I, I have one other horse that I've had for a while that had TNJ and she, I've been doing that with her for months. And if I go too many sessions without giving her a reward for bridling, she'll get to where, again, she's like, mm, mm-mm, hmm. nope. Um, and I think it's just because there's so much, you know, pain and tension in the jaw that they, those TMJ horses that have those issues there need extra reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, normally I don't, I've only ever needed to do treat training, you know, positive reinforcement with the bridle for those two horses. Um, the rest of the time I'm able to, you know, show them where to put their head. They're perfectly happy to be bridled. No mm-hmm. big deal, but that's because those horses don't have that TMJ pain. Yeah, so I think even, even more so they just need that reward. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed that even with my mare, cause she had, I wouldn't even say bridling issues, but she would flip her head up in the air, you know, make me reach for it to get her <laughs> down. And it's like, if I, she is one who gets upset with me pretty fast. Like she will let me know if she doesn't like something. Yeah. And I noticed if I, you know, did the, the negative reinforcement where put pressure to get her head down and then release she honestly would just get more and more and more angry. So it's like, by the time I finally got her bridled, it's like, yeah, sure. We're bridled, but she's pissed off. You know, she doesn't want to do <laughs> anything else because she's yeah. mad at me where I switched. Like once you actually introduced me to doing like treats for bridling with that, uh, that one where you've gotten in, in training, I think you just talked about her. Uh-huh. That's the first time I thought about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do that. And I went into that. It only took twice of me doing that Mm -hmm. to now she like I don't even have to treat her now she just takes it so easy she doesn't flip her head around she just opens her mouth grabs it it's no big deal and I haven't had to retreat her like once in a while if I've got a treat in my hand sure I'll give it to her but it but I don't go and go oh I need treats to to help her bridle it just like the moment she realized that hey I'm not going to force her. I do care about what she thinks in this process and I want her to enjoy it. Like her mindset was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take it. Like, we don't have to fight about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's so rewarding for me as a trainer too, to see a horse seek the answer because mm. with pressure and release, it's a lot of like, here, let me show you where I want you, which is great as well. I mean, I, I'm, I use negative reinforcement every day with every horse that I ride. (laughs) I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but with that positive reinforcement, it's so fun because with that bridle, like I can just hold it up for this mare that I did it with and, and, and she'll dive right in and, and, and just take that bit right into her mouth and seeing them, especially in the beginning of the process, like that first session I did with that other gelding today, it was, it was like, okay, do you want my head over here? Do you want like, and then he would do the right thing and it was just like seeing him be like okay well if I reach over to her her hand to try and get a cookie I I don't get a cookie if I reach over here I don't get a cookie like where where is the reinforcement and you get their brains so much more engaged in what Mm -hmm. you're doing so it's it's really fun and rewarding to see yeah yeah no I love that and I'm all about like make the like figure out how the horse can be a part of the process I feel like even, even in natural horsemanship, I think natural horsemanship is headed or has been trying to head in that direction of like, Hey, let's think about the horse a little bit more, but then mm-hmm. you, you see some of those where it's like, okay, no, we've completely started ignoring the horse, even in these processes. And so it's been fun to really, like you said, try to engage their brains, engage their minds in trying to figure out, Hey, what do you want from me? And, and it makes it more fun for them too, because they're like, Oh no, I want this reinforcement. Like versus going, I just don't want you to touch me. You know, like I just don't, don't pressure me anymore. You know, like, so I'm just going to stand in this one spot. So you don't pressure me. So I, I really love that. And 
one of the biggest things that really got me into positive reinforcement for me was trimming my horse's feet because I trim them myself. <laughs> and <laughs> by golly, if you want to appreciate your farrier, start trimming your own horse's feet because it takes me forever to get my horses done. And man, it's just hard. And my, um, both my horses. So my Mustang came to me with somebody who uses angle grinders to trim her horse's feet. And so she gets them done in like a minute and a half. She's done trimming. And it's mm. really, so it's really interesting to watch her. But when I bought him, I was really excited because I, I knew this lady, she is actually a pretty big mentor of mine. So I knew that he would handle his feet well. And it was really disappointing to me when I went to go trim his feet and he was awful. Awful. Oh, no. I mean, he would, he would hold him up for me, but then he's going to like use me as his fourth leg and he walks with me. <laughs> and like, I'm like, what the heck? Like, what am I doing wrong that like she was not doing? And I couldn't figure it out. And then finally kind of hit me. I'm like, well, it takes me like two hours to do one horse where it takes her a minute and a half. And I'm like, he has been used to having things done in like a minute and a half and not like, having to stand there. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but once I started using positive reinforcement, so I made a, like I had the stool and I drilled a treat bucket to the top of the stool and I put it in front of them. And so I would like you um, do the click with my mouth. Mm -hmm. And when he'd stand there, like I just, you know, have him pick it up, click. I'd throw treats behind my back into this bucket. So then he's eating and he held it up. And if he holds it for a little bit longer, I'll click again. And I just kind of every so often would click and throw it in as long as he was standing still. And now like he stands pretty darn still. He is one though that is more chewy, like if I do not have something to engage him with, he's the one we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. I, he does like need something to engage. So I'll even like hang up like a hay bag and even just a hay bag. And I don't really have to treat because he'll, he'll sit there and be more patient, but he is so ADD. Like he, he has to be doing stuff. Um, and then I did the same thing with my mare and that's really helped her because she got to where she was, um, getting angry with me again. And it's because I, I would, almost like do some punishment with her if she wasn't good like she'd lay on top of me sometimes you know I'd jab her in the stomach like get off of me a little bit but what that created was her bracing more versus actually relaxing into it she'd brace against me and then it got to where it's like every time I went to trim her feet it was a fight and then I had some other farriers who also just weren't very nice where she got popped in the nose one time just randomly I mean it shocked me shocked the horse and I was like well why did you hit her you know he's like well she was gonna bite me I'm like she was not like you know but after that experience too she got like now she like does no nose touching like we can't touch her nose anymore and and so it just got to that point too that's kind of when I decided okay I'm just gonna take this over because I'm I'm sick of farriers treating my horses like that, but, um, doing the positive reinforcement for her has helped it be like, oh, she actually enjoys it now when I, yeah. when I go and, and mess with her feet, she, she likes it. She likes to be trimmed and she'll stand there a lot longer and she's more willing because she gets a little iffy about her back legs. But if I move slowly and I, and I give her the clicks to let her know she's doing good. And it has gotten to like before it was like every two minutes, I'm kind of like clicking and giving him treats to get it, you know, to like, let him know how he's standing here is good. But now like yesterday I took him out and I have to like put their boots and stuff on and I'll click, I'll click and be like, Hey, you're doing a good job and put the boot on. And like, I'll notice like, they'll get a little antsy, you know, and I'll kind of wait for them to relax. I'll click, they'll relax. And then I'm done. And then I can give them the treat. And they're not like, where's my treat? You know, the moment I click either, which has been really nice to see. Yeah. Well, and didn't she have scratches on her pines? Is that why she's worse? Yes. Yes. There's that whole pain thing, right? You know, it's when they have something like that, then it does take them a little bit more to feel better about it because they anticipate that something's going to hurt or be uncomfortable and horses don't like uncomfortable. They, they seek comfort and safety. So (laughs) that's naturally going to deter them from whatever is that makes them uncomfortable. Yes, exactly. Okay. So from here, cause you did talk about like how you still use negative reinforcement in your training. And I definitely still do in mine as well. So I want to pick your brain about that. Like, how are you balancing the two? Because for me, 
I'm having such a hard time being okay balancing the two. Like, I'm like, no, I need to be one or the other, right? Like, and right now, positive reinforcement is having such good results with my horse's brains and with their motivation that I'm like, I'm leaning more that direction. But at the same time, I'm like, I feel like there's still so much that still needs to happen in the negative reinforcement realm. So I would love to hear your thoughts around that. Yeah. Uh, So I think positive reinforcement is something I use a lot to shape new behaviors and to change a horse's perspective on something like we've talked about here, you know, with something that is um, scary or painful to them or, you know, or previously was painful um, and things like that, like horses that are scared to be haltered. Um, then like I had a horse that she, you would even walk in, in her stall and, and have a halter on your arm and she would, you know, book at the other side of the stall and turn away from it. And I just held the halter up in the air and just held it right there next to me until she would turn and look at it. And we started with that. As soon as she would look at the halter, I would take it away and then reach out and give her a treat. She was friendly enough. She would take a treat from me as long as the halter was not. Right. <laughs> But then we went from her looking at it to her stepping toward it, to her touching her nose to it, to then her dipping her nose in the halter. And so it's within just a few days, um, she was wanting to be caught and seeking to like, boom, dip that nose right in that halter. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that's really fun, especially when you have a bad habit like that of a horse that is familiar with running away and not being caught Mm -hmm. things like that yeah um it's it really helps change their mind about being caught right Mm -hmm. um so i it's really fun um, for things like that but i use negative reinforcement as more of the mechanical training so i want your shoulder here i want your nose here i Mm -hmm. want your Mm -hmm. hip here um that is for me in what I do, it's the most beneficial simply because I have to send that horse home to their owner. Yeah. There are not a lot of people that do positive reinforcement riding and training after they take the horse home. Mm -hmm. So all the horses that I take in have to be able to know how to respond to pressure and release. Right. Uh, And, but, um, really quick, would you like with your own horses, do you still do that pressure release or is it different with your own horses no I don't send them to other people that okay Um, I do mix in a lot more positive reinforcement with my own Mm -hmm. um, simply because they are mine and I know I don't have to worry about that but I do like it's negative reinforcement is just such a useful tool being able to have something that I can use to communicate with them um, and say hey this is where I want you and they they get it and they and they pick it up but you know anytime I have any kind of you know, bad attitude about something or, or the horse gets frustrated with something, we start adding in a lot more positive reinforcement and, and letting them know, yes, this is what you want. Cause mm-hmm. if you have someone that's always telling you no all the time, that's just frustrating. And, and um, it's true. It's, it's so much, it makes them so much happier horses if they can, yeah. can, um, figure things out in a way where they get to say yes all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they get, yes, yes, good job. And mm-hmm. and I actually use the word yes mm-hmm. in my training. So I'll click and then say yes. Like I had a horse that um, he was going to go be a sheep herding horse. Oh, uh-huh. And he was going to have a, like, rotate between different riders. He was going to have, like, Peruvians and stuff riding him. And and not always people that are like super skilled and, but you know, just so much back and forth with different riders. And I'm like, this horse needs to know you feel pressure, you give to it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to help him in his life. Because if I were to teach him all that positive reinforcement stuff, and then he goes over and to the sheep herd and all these people are pressuring him, he's going to be like, mind right. So yeah, it's, you definitely have to take into account where your horse is headed. And if it mm-hmm. is yours, Definitely, I think using positive reinforcement is um, more of that is better, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can fully go without negative reinforcement, in my opinion. I yeah. think it's a very valuable piece of the training puzzle. I think the more tools you can have and the more ways that you can teach your horse to problem solve, the better. Mm-hmm. So if you take that out of the equation, you're taking out a huge piece of knowledge that they can have and a huge way of communicating with them that you can right. have. And I think 
there's definitely, once you get into the positive reinforcement community, there are a lot of people that are going to say, you can't use spurs. You can't use rope halters. You can't use this. You can't, because that's pressure. Mm -hmm. When we've talked a little bit about that too, and it's interesting. And I know like you've said it, um, but before we get into like the polarizing differences, I just wanted to touch on that too. It's like, sometimes you do need to tell your horse no. Yeah. You know, like it's nice to tell the horse yes all the time, but at the mm-hmm. same time, they're also this big animal that yes. only knows how to communicate in so many ways. And it's like to use positive reinforcement all the time, I feel like only works <laughs> if, um, I, well, I don't know. I, I can't say only works because that's not true. Cause I'm still a very much a beginner with it. But to me, it's like, if you only use positive reinforcement, it doesn't seem like you'd get as much done because your horses can't communicate on like an intellectual level with you. They can't, you can't say, Hey, this is what I want you to do here. And it's like that, that halter thing. Like you can't say, Hey, just come to me and I'll give you a treat. You have to like have these certain steps in place to have the horse search for that answer. That's where the negative reinforcement comes in. It's like, it's like your example with holding the halter up and, and taking it away and then giving a treat. It's like, that's a pretty good example of, hey, like you made it a little bit clearer by using negative reinforcement. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very unrealistic to say we can't use negative reinforcement because we have brought these horses into our human world right? Yeah, they, that's a good point. they didn't ask to be brought here. They, um, they want to be out grazing and, and doing all of that. Like they have no need to be a workhorse or to be a competition horse or to do any of those things. Um, and they do them because they are just such amazing creatures. Right? It's just amazing that, I mean, even my daughter, she's 35 pounds and she can control Quasi, who is about 1100 pounds. And, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing what they, what the horse will do for you. But your horse has to get in a trailer. Your horse has to be haltered. Even if it is a flat halter, it is still a halter. It's still mm-hmm. pressure. Sitting on your horse is pressure. Yeah. If your horse doesn't know how to handle these situations, um, you're doing them a huge disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there will be times that, you know, maybe someone needs to babysit your horse or you have to take your horse to the vet or, I mean, so many different situations where they can run into pressure Mm -hmm. and if you do strictly positive what's your horse going to know how to do this is very true yeah so I think it's it is an important piece of the puzzle um and and I don't I mean I I use spurs um I use shank bits on the you know much more advanced horses the horses that are ready for them like, (laughs) like 19 months and she's still not in a shank bit um so, I mean, when appropriate, but yeah. it, I definitely don't use them as punishment. They are used um, as communication tools. Yeah. Well, and so. I really like what you're saying about like thinking about what the horse needs to experience with you so they can handle real world situations. And to me, I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but training always makes me think of kids. I do a lot of work with kids. And like in that situation, it's like, well, do you really want a kid who has never dealt with any kind of stressful situations growing up with you when you have the ability to help walk them through it? Do you want to really like put this kid in a bubble and then send them out to the world and be like, well, now you're an adult. Good luck. You know, (laughs) I think it's like one of the meanest things you can do. And, but it's the same with the horses. It's well, and especially too I think like it's a little bit different because you are specifically a trainer so you yeah. really do have to specifically think okay this horse is going to this kind of a home I need to get them ready for this kind of a home where yeah. people who are more um just like horse owners themselves I think it is important that they think about like what you were bringing up taking your horse to the vet having your farrier come over because most farriers are not going to be okay pausing when the horse needs to pause like they do need to be ready to stand there and to have a little bit of pressure from a farrier because I don't know one farrier who doesn't create some sort of a pressured situation maybe maybe they're out there but I don't know one (laughs) um but I I really like that thought process of hey you know positive reinforcement is great if you really have control of every single little aspect 
of their life, like then just doing positive reinforcement. Sure. That's, that's awesome. But like you said, saying that you don't do pressure at all is just not possible. Yeah. It's impossible for you to not like for the horse to not have any kind of pressure in the human world. Yeah, for sure. We can go into what you were starting to go into before I interrupted you about kind of the polarizing um, aspects of the positive reinforcement group and the natural horsemanship group. And then you're like cowboys who just, you know, have their egos because (laughs) they are all so different. And it's hard to be in the middle of all of that and figure out okay, am I doing the wrong thing? Cause I have been part of like the positive reinforcement groups. I've listened to a couple of podcasts where it's like, you will never use spurs again. You will never use a dressage whip again. You will never use a rope halter again. You will never kick your horse again. That's just never going to be an option. And I'm sitting here going, but wait, like, I don't know how I can do that. You know, I'm, um, I ride a lot in the mountains and just yesterday I'm up in the mountains with my horse and there's a few times my horse says "Mm, no. And it's like, okay, but you, you can't tell me no in this situation. You still have to go because there's some safety issues involved too, especially up like in the Hills when you're by yourself and your horse needs, like, I can't be like, oh, you don't want to go this way. Okay. Like, yeah, you can stay here. I mean, and I do, I am very much, um, I, I do listen and try to listen. Like I, I annoy some of the people I ride with. Cause they're like, your horse is fine. Like quit checking her out, you know, cause I always do try to err on the side of, Hey, she's trying to tell me something. So I am yeah. going to get off. I am going to evaluate her, make sure everything's good. I'll check her hooves. Like if she's, if she's dead stopping, cause she will do that once in a while, but there are times where she just she's kind of a brat and she's just like, she's she's like, like, I just want to be done, you know? And it's, (laughs) and with her, like I'm working on a conditioning program and there are times it's like, no, you need to keep going because we need to get your heart rate to this point because of your fitness level. Right. And Mm -hmm. if I don't push her a little bit, which requires a little bit of pressure from my leg, a little bit of maybe a little bit of a whip action if she needs it to get her to continue pushing past where she would want to stop just from a fitness level, if that makes sense. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I think that's one of the huge misconceptions with positive reinforcement training is people think that that just means when your horse says no, you just say, okay, and just go put mm. them away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not what it is. I think a lot of it is you listen to your horse and if they're saying no, you ask yourself, why are they saying no? Is it because they're tired and they're, you know, physically a little bit out of shape and you're trying to condition them and you do need to push them? Are they saying no, because they're scared? Are they saying no? Yeah. I mean, for whatever other reason, are they having destination addiction? Is that why they're saying no? You know, there's so many different reasons. And if you can listen to your horse, figure out why they're saying no, and then figure out how to problem solve from there and how to present it to them in a way where they can say yes. I think that's the huge part of positive reinforcement is finding the yes, mm. you know, finding a I way really like to, 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 to say yes and to go and do what you want. Um, and sometimes that does mean changing your ask. And so it doesn't mean, okay, I'm just going to still keep drilling this until you do it. Um, sometimes you need to say, okay, you're saying no, because I increased the level of difficulty too quickly from the previous phase. So we need to go back a phase or two, um, go or all the way back to the beginning, even and get them responding at each level and then check on that previous level and say, was there something I missed that they weren't comfortable with or, or didn't understand and um, just working through it in that way. And, and sometimes even just completely changing it all together. Like, like if your horse just keeps saying no, and is in a really bad mindset with something, find something they can say yes to. It can be a completely different exercise. It doesn't need to be side passing or, um, strike offs at the lope from a walk or um, any of those things it can you can just do it okay let's go find something you are good at Mm -hmm. Um, something that you're like oh yes I want to say yes to that and so you get them back in that yes mindset instead of just like getting a continual no yeah (laughs) no no uh uh-uh nope Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah well I like I like that perspective a lot because you're right like when you tell me positive reinforcement treat training, I am thinking like 
okay, this horse told me no. Oh, okay. Like I'll just get off. It's fine. And like, that definitely is, is what pops in my head. I think, and that's why probably in my position, I have such a hard time balancing the two or figuring out in my head how to balance the two because I haven't made that connection of, hey, positive reinforcement isn't isn't somebody who's just like, lets the horse rule the world. It, yeah. it is just somebody who is, hey, no, I'm going to listen. I'm going to look at all of these different aspects of what we have done. I'm going to make sure that I've given you the tools to push past this point and like get to the root of the problem, really, which is something that I do in my coaching all the time is like, okay, no, there's always a route to everything that comes yeah. up. And I think that's, a, that's like a really important piece in looking at your horses. And then um, on the other side, I, I want to play the devil's advocate for a minute, because as you're talking to you, I'm like, Camry, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like, like I get tired just listening about all the steps that I'm going to have to go out to prepare my horse for this flying lead change. Right. So maybe could you talk a little bit about that? Cause sometimes it is overwhelming. Like just thinking about like when you're talking about like all the different steps, I'm like, okay, my horse hates getting in the trailer. And so yes, I'll slow things down, but at the same time, at the end of the day, she needs to get in the trailer so I can, you know, be at this place at this time. So how do you handle situations like that, especially for somebody who, who doesn't train all day? Like that's not what they're doing all day is, is working with their horse. What would be your suggestion there? I think the biggest thing with stuff like that, with like timelines, expectations, right. Of, you know, we do need to be here at this time where we do have to get, like you said, this heart rate to this level is to have the expectation, but to not hold it at the forefront of our mind while we're working with the horse mm -hmm. because I our horses definitely sense when we have motives and timelines and we're like get there quicker come on like, <laughs> <laughs> like you're supposed to be here 10 minutes ago uh -huh. um and and so I think just being able to say yeah we do need to get you in the trailer today within the next hour so you know that okay put that at the back of your mind Take mm -hmm. a breath, get in a really good mindset, you know, check in with your horse, look at where their body is. Do they need to take a breath? You know, do you need to get them to kind of, you know, take a breath too, and you know, essentially get a, a little dopamine release and, and get a little lick and chew. Um, and then working through the process is so much easier and quicker when your mindset is not on that timeline. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always work perfectly. I mean, there are definitely times where it's like, okay, you have to get in the trailer now. And so you, you increase the pressure to the point where you get the result you need, but you do it in phases. You do it ethically. You know, you don't just, mm -hmm. it's not the whole punishment. Like I'm going to spur him in the butt or anything like that. Right. Um, definitely. Like, like at one point I was, uh, here's an example. Um, I uh, had sold a horse for a client that it was on consignment and the lady who bought it had a very small trailer and the horse had only been in training with me for about 30 days. Mm -hmm. She was a high, high stress. Uh, she was an Arabian, but she also had, she was older. She had a lot of bad habits, a lot of like baggage. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got her a certain amount better, <laughs> but she was still very, very nervous, very anxious. Um, it took a while for her to take those breaths and calm down about things. So anyway, she steps in this trailer and this trailer is so loud. I mean, it just, she stepped in it and it just clank, 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 like rattled and just scared her. And, um, for about, oh, I want to say it took us about two hours to get her loaded. Yeah. And normally I would not push it that long. Right. I, I, you know, we would do max an hour session working on trailering and it would be taking it at the horse's pace, not using too much pressure, enough pressure to show them where the answer is, uh, giving them rewards when they're near or in the trailer, thinking mm -hmm. towards the trailer, depending on what stage they're at. But with her, it was, you have to go home today. Her owner lived, I think, I want to say it was like three hours away. So oh, it wasn't wow. like, just like come back tomorrow, you know? Right. <laughs> and so we had to get the horse in the trailer that day. So we did have to increase our pressure when she was on the outside of the trailer we also did some things to make her more comfortable like we got uh, some horse blankets and things to stick in certain parts of the trailer so that it wouldn't rattle so bad 
mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, that just made it a little bit more acceptable to her. And, and again, you know, reinforce her every time she was near the trailer, but yeah, we did have to like use a lot of, um, like not whipping her, but whipping the ground, like whip, right. like using whips to create pressure and energy when she was out of the trailer so mm-hmm. that she eventually would go in the trailer and stay in the trailer. Right. So kind of uh, find like the trailer's the safe place away yeah. from the the noise mm-hmm. of the whip and everything. Yeah. And had I had, and I, I did practice trailering with her in slightly larger trailers, right? <laughs> but like that situation was just like not ideal. And that's the mm-hmm. thing that I think that is the key in an ideal world. Positive reinforcement all the time would be amazing. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is life happens. You know, you have to get a horse to the vet at this time. You have to get a horse in a trailer here. You have to like, there are certain things that you just don't have control over. And, um, a lot of times you can work around things like that. Like if, if you know, your horse hates, uh, deworming mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to do it every six months, you know, you do it in spring and fall and you only start working on it two days before you need to warm them. That's your fault. You're not preparing mm-hmm. your horse, you know? So, so you need to think about preparing a long way ahead of time, especially with positive reinforcement, it working through it. It's a hundred percent at the horse's pace. Mm-hmm. You don't force anything. You don't uh, do any of that. And so it does take whatever time it's going to take, which is amazing. And it's great for the horse's confidence. And it's, it's a super fun process, but you have to be willing to commit to whatever time it takes. And and I I think that's the biggest piece right there. What you just said, you have to be willing to commit to the time that it is going to take, because like, honestly, it's, it is, it's a lot of time, like just to do the processes, just to get my horses to be okay with, with having their foot up for me to do it. Mm-hmm. It took a long time. I mean, and it was a lot of, oh, okay, I will let your foot down because you were telling me you need a break. And I'd wait for them to give me like the signal that, hey, like I want more treats. And that was the signal. Okay, pick up your foot. Okay, you get more treats, you know? Yeah. But I'm I'm like, as you're talking, I'm just like, every aspect of every situation that you listed, it's the situations we have put on the horse. Like the horse did not say, Hey, I want to go to the vet today or Hey, I want to go on this trail ride that you've got to meet people for. So let's go. They didn't say like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, and and I think that's something that's important to remember as, as we get frustrated with the horses, because it is frustrating. Like, let's just be honest. It's frustrating. And I'm sure that situation with that horse was probably super embarrassing because you have this client who just drove three hours and now she's sitting in in your driveway for two hours while you're trying to get this horse you just trained (laughs) in the trailer. Right. And, but the reality is, is it's our own egos, our own agendas. Like the horses haven't asked for a single piece of anything that we've listed today. Like they have not asked us to do that. They don't care, you know, like they don't need it. They don't. Yeah. No, they don't care. So it is, I think, remembering, Hey, like if you can take that step back and have that mindset of I'm asking this horse to really step outside of, of what they would even want to do. And I'm asking them to come with me and to be a part of this process with me might be helpful. Um, and as you're talking to, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, like every stress. Cause I go out when I go out and catch my horses, I do, I go out with an agenda, like, especially cause I I'm busy, you know? So when yeah. I go out to ride, I have like a specific things I want to get done and in a specific time frame because I need to be home at certain times. Yeah. And and it's like even yesterday for it. Well, not even yesterday. It was a couple of weeks ago. I go out and I'm trailering the horses and they both trailered awfully. Like, and normally they're pretty good, you know, but for some reason that day, they are not wanting to get in the trailer. And I think, like you said, it was, it was my agenda in it. Cause I'm like, come on, get on, get on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And mm-hmm. if you think about a person who you've ever dealt with, who does that, who follows you around and goes, come on, why aren't you dressed yet? Come on. Why aren't you at the door yet? Hey, we got to be here at this time. Come on, come on, come on. And I do that to my husband all the time. Like, it's just like, <laughs> now I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I do that to my husband. <laughs> like I am totally that person who's following him around, like nagging him to get out the door. Cause I am a person who gets really caught up in time frames. Yeah. And that's something I need to work on. So I don't know whoever's listening. If you're like me, it's okay. There's so many times I sit down and I'm like, I'm sorry, Sandy. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, Manji. Like, I know this was like, 
not your fault. And it's interesting because I, I work myself up in some of these situations to the point that finally when I'm on or finally when I'm at the trail, I don't even want to be there. Like I'm yeah. grouchy about being there and the horses are grouchy about being there. And then it's like, then we get on the trail and, and we both work our stuff out and it, and then we have a great time. But mm-hmm. every single time the process to getting there, and I think this, like, I'm just having epiphanies. This is a pattern in my life because like just the work to get to a places for me works me up so much that it's like not even enjoyable by the time we get there. But that's mm-hmm. like not even just in my horse's life. Like I'm definitely like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did that like last week as we're going to a friend's house. And I'm like, come on, babe, like <laughs> get out the door. So interesting, interesting epiphany I'm having right now. <laughs> yeah, um, well, and we both have read that um, Susan Fay book, Sacred oh, Spaces. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you think of the energy waves that your body gives off when you're in a performance timeline task driven type of state mm-hmm. they're not the kind of brain waves that encourage your horse to relax and right. be comfortable doing things right so I think just that energy that we have when we get to those points where we either get frustrated or get pushy we're like we need it now right. and uh, I think that can definitely put horses on the like whoa I'm not sure I want to <laughs> listen to this erratic human that's sending like right. at me that are like uh-huh well and I think in their heads too it's like so where are we going in such a hurry that I need to be worried about you know (laughs) like (laughs) like what's going on but it's yeah I don't know there's so much more I feel like we can talk about about this but we are running a little long and I know you need to go um (laughs) And I just feel like we just barely scraped the surface of (laughs) of what we could talk about (laughs) when it comes to this. Um, But I think for me, what I'm getting just from talking to you, like the conclusion I'm getting is, hey, like you're going to make mistakes and it's okay to say sorry. It's okay to admit those mistakes. And like, seriously, like I said, I go to my horse all the time and I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. give you like a like a bigger handful of treats like please forgive me and I'm gonna try better <laughs> I'm gonna do it again and being okay with the fact that hey you're not gonna be perfect each time you are gonna make mistakes that's just part of any journey and anything whether it's horses or something else you're not gonna be perfect at it you're not always going to perform the way that you want to and just being humble enough and being um growth-minded enough to realize like hey I can do better look at the situation as okay like this is where I could do better at this if I change my mindset around this and come at it this way I think that's really important to to look at those situations and and look at the things that you can do better because you always can't change there are always always ways you can change because you are a human being who who grows and and who can change and it's okay to make mistakes and to not push yourself in either one of these boxes like I I really do think it's okay being in the middle and it's not black and white Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is don't be afraid to try positive reinforcement just because you feel like you either have to be all or nothing Mm -hmm. with positive reinforcement. Mix it in. Uh, It's like some people call it like cherry on top, right? It doesn't have to be all cherries. It can be a mixture. You know, you get it's play with it. See the results you get from it. If you like it, do more positive reinforcement. If it just takes too long, you don't have the patience. You don't, you know, if it's just not for you great but I don't I feel like some people might be intimidated trying to go into Mm. positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. because they don't want to completely flip what they're currently doing with their horse with all this natural horsemanship stuff so it's okay give it a try mix it in add a little bit of positive reinforcement in certain aspects and still continue with the negative reinforcement and don't feel bad about mixing them Mm -hmm. there's no issue with that horses do that naturally they have some horses that push and some horses that draw and, you know, they have some reward based stuff and some pressure based stuff in a herd setting. So there's no reason they can't learn to do it with us too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that perspective. Cause I do think positive reinforcement can be really intimidating. Like I was super intimidated by it too. When I'm looking at all the things I'm like, uh, okay. I don't know if I can like step it down this much just because, of where I'm at in my own journey. So I, I really do love that perspective of, Hey, it's, it's okay. Like try a little bit of it. Like maybe just hang up a, a feed bag when you're, when your horse is at the trailer versus making it run around in circles to stand still, you know? Um, yeah. so yeah, I really love that. Well, 
I don't want you to be late for your appointments. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you have coming up. Anything, um, anything you want people to know and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So I'm looking to do some clinics here uh, around the state of Utah. So if you have an arena and want to host me, that would be tons of fun. Um, I do a lot of either small group or one-on-one -on -one sessions for my clinics because I really enjoy teaching people in a small group setting like that, where I can really pinpoint what each person and each horse needs to work on. And then of course, my retreats that are coming up in June and August of 2023, uh, those are going to be a lot of fun. And they, they're very limited spots. Um, so, and those are the connected horsewoman retreats. Those ones Michigan. are so fun so. guys. Like you have to go. <laughs> You have to go to at least one. I went to hers last year and it was amazing. It was like, I got home and I'm rejuvenated and I'm like, everyone was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, I'm just like signing up for all the things. Like it just, I was really like seriously rejuvenated after that. So I'm excited for these. <laughs> I'm excited. They're so much fun. So cool. Anything you have coming up? So I have a few things in the works right now that I'm working on. Um, but if you ever want help with your fitness and nutrition and to make your horse a part of the process, I am big on that. Just connect with me. Um, my Instagram's at Michaela underscore Lyman. That is one of the best ways. I will also link to my website below. And then I will have a couple of programs that I'm launching. And I will let you know more about those as I launch them. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Camry. This was great. Thank you. Talk to you guys. Thank you for listening to the Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.